You're now listening to the Live Different Podcast with Matt Wilson. Hey, Live Different Podcast listeners, you are in for a treat today, but it needs a disclaimer. It needs a warning. This is some serious stuff. First of all, the things that we talk about today are in no way representative of anything to do with under 30 experiences, our amazing travel community for young people ages 21 to 35. With that being said, our views on the following topics are our own and they are intended to be advanced techniques for people who want to explore not only the world, but their own consciousness, people who are hungry to know about life and what it fully entails and live with deep meaning on this planet. Daniel is someone who really talks a lot about some deep stuff and he is a practitioner of meditation. He is someone who talks about, is a a proponent of the use of psychedelics in a very serious set and setting, a place under supervision, a place with people who know what they're doing uh, in a therapeutic realm. So I've talked, I've, we've touched on this subject uh, with several people on the podcast before, including doctors. But if this is your first time listening to the Live Different podcast, I just want to make sure that you start with the basics. I want you to explore life and this planet to its fullest. Uh, and the outer realms of the universe, if that's what you're into, but be careful. So this needs a heavy disclaimer. Uh, Make sure you consult with any doctor before undertaking anything that seems seriously strenuous. And meditation in a deep, deep way, like I talk about Joe Dispenza's uh, book, go read that book and meditate on it and understand it. But please know that a lot of these things that we talk about today are advanced techniques. So hopefully this episode opens up your mind and that is the intent. It is incredible world out there, but through meditation and psychedelics, there are a lot of positive studies and you can head over to PubMed and search these things that they are discovering at all sorts of institutions across the world like Harvard, but I want to expose to you uh, the the truth about these things and uh, the opinions of uh, from people who I respect. So could not put a bigger disclaimer on this that says, don't go out and do anything stupid. Uh, that is, is what it comes down to. Can't say I didn't warn you, but please get ready for a very interesting conversation on meditation psychedelics and just an exploration of the planet thank you for listening this is a good one uh i am back in america yes we don't use this app anymore i i didn't know skype went out of business i I didn't know that skype is not what the cool kids are doing these days It's, it's absolutely not what the cool kids are using what why what should i be using tell me some things Zoom, man. What, that's what you podcast with? <laughs> podcast with Zoom? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. Look, I'm not, you know, I stopped podcasting, so you're the expert. Not to get all Seth Godin on you, but uh, 
as he might say, I don't have a Skype problem, so I don't know why I would change. I mean, it's, it's, it works fine. I know. I just, you know, I, uh, there really is no problem, I guess. I don't like Microsoft. Maybe that's what it is. Okay. That's, uh, you don't like Ashton Kutcher? He, he and was an original Skype investor, I'm pretty sure. Was he? Yeah. Yeah. Skype, well, you know what? If Skype has worked out their bugs, then I'm cool with it. A lot of times Skype would crash back in the day, and I'm like, you guys have had a 15-year head start on this technology. That's that's true. That's true. I mean, it's not the best. Uh, you stop podcast. So we're, we're recording, by the way. Yeah. Daniel DiPiazza, everyone. Hi. Hey, Daniel. Hello. You are your fame and fortune comes from rich twenty something dot com. Uh, also, a fabulous book uh, by the same name. Uh, also, flexing on Instagram uh, has probably gotten you somewhere in life. Uh, tell us, tell tell the people how you'd like to be introduced because I'm not sure I just did it justice. No, you did fine. I mean, you know, uh, I, I'm you know I'm an author. I'm a guy. Who's, who's done some things that's easy to follow online and then lots of people form their own opinion uh, about me and I'm, I'm constantly evolving. I hate introducing myself. I, have, I still don't know how to do it. I don't know. What, what do you want me to say? I, I, I've written things that people seem to like. I don't know. That's great. <laughs> that's great. Uh, what are you, are you, I'll just ask if you're coming off a porn set because you are in a, uh, Sir. <laughs> you didn't even make the Sir. bed this morning. Are you, are you putting this up on video? Yes. I mean, we're oh. recording. Hold on. <laughs> you don't have... Oh, jeez. There you go. That's you nice. You like that? You like that? Now, did you sleep in both beds? I'm curious. Or you just do your dirty work on one? What's going on over there? My assistant is in the other bed. All right. All right, then. My male assistant. <laughs> Let's... Who's uh... <laughs> currently getting breakfast right now. <laughs> oh my You're god. Down this road. Let's move on, shall we? Fun. How how are things in the life of Daniel DiPiazza? What are you doing? You're in San Francisco right now and you're filming a creative live. I'm not even I, sure exactly what that is. I invited you out to this. You didn't come. You you did. Sorry. I have my uh cousin's wedding in Michigan. I have to leave for tomorrow. It's 11:11 11, 11 a.m. Make a wish, Daniel. It's not 11:11 11, 11 where I am. Um so Creative Live is a, uh, it's a, it's a platform for artists, creators, entrepreneurs, um, tr- traditionally or typically, you know, um, when it was uh, getting started back maybe seven or eight years ago, it's uh, started by this guy named Chase Jarvis, who's a photographer, and he um, wanted to create a space where people could demonstrate their craft live, and it's, um, it's a live workshop series, and once the workshop is live, it's free, it streams. Um, and then afterwards, it goes into a catalog. People can pick it up and buy it. And has a really pretty big audience. And uh, they've had a lot of my favorite people go on there. You know, Seth Golden was actually on there. A bunch of different other people and um, authors and entrepreneurs and uh, people who are outside of just maybe the internet marketing space, which is where I'm trying to leave or, or I'm actually already leaving. And uh, and so I, I went on there yesterday and I did a, I did a man I did a five hour lecture. Wow. Yeah, five hour lecture. It was gnarly. I tell tell I know you're a man of many crafts. So what did you happen to speak for five hours about yesterday? So so you know one of the things I've been um, like I just have a, a a chip on my shoulder about is I'm so sick of 
just I'm, I'm just very annoyed with the entrepreneurship and motivation space I'm very annoyed with it and I don't really have uh, I don't really have any desire to continue talking about the same things I've been talking about before uh, you know the the book that I wrote was cool and it, it, it's useful it's a great book I love it and it's it's been a, a great stepping stone for me but now I want to talk about new stuff and so this this new this lecture series that I put together uh, was a five-hour lecture on all the things I've been studying and researching and learning uh, over the past couple of years, and I went everywhere from physicality and the physical body through psychology and emotions to money to psychedelics to meditation, and I wrapped it all in the context of entrepreneurship. Um, so it, for me, it was just like it was a new thing, and um, and it was uh, it was a little scary because I wasn't sure I'd be able to even have that much content to give, and I I worked really hard to put it together, and I wasn't sure I wanted to talk about all that stuff, but it was really rewarding, man. Damn. Well, we got real serious real quick. I'm I'm happy that yeah. we uh, we dove straight into the yeah. heart of the matter real quick. In case anybody did not hear of your previous work or wonders where you came from, and they've heard Rich Twenty Something, but uh, could you just tell everybody what your book was about? Your first book was about, and now so they have some context for your transition. Yeah, the, so the first book is called Rich Twenty Something: Did Your Average Job, Starting a Big Business, Where the Life You Want, and it's it's you know it's a half autobiographical, half how-to manual on how to just get out of your own way, especially people coming out of college or in their first few jobs, figuring out how to leave that system because, um, especially for millennials and even Gen Z under us, we're looking to figure out a new way to. Um, configure our life setup since our parents and our grandparents have one way of doing things we're realizing that the world is changing in a way where we don't need to or necessarily even want to create that same life of school more school job career you're there for 20 years you retire that doesn't even really work anymore um, at least for many of the people that I that I've come to know and so I wrote the book to give them a manual to escape that um, if the manual was based and the, the book was based on a lot of blog articles I'd written over the years and different um, different uh, pieces of thought leadership that I developed and you know I, my Instagram account at one point was called that um, and all my social media was about that and it's great and it was a chapter in my life and then after a certain point I got to I got to the point where I was like well there's nothing else I can say about this and I think that um, this is, it's almost like if you look at a musician and you think you know sometimes you, you see musicians that you really enjoy their stuff but then their style doesn't change and you're like man this is the same you know, 10 years ago as it is now, and, and it's not as interesting anymore. And I think that you, I think a lot of creatives, and I, our entrepreneurs are creatives because we're literally creating something from nothing. We're creating the visible from the invisible. So we are creatives. We just monetize our creativity. Um, and I think that a lot of entrepreneurs as creatives are scared to do new things, talk about new ideas, or create new things that aren't related to their original concepts that had their first uh, you know, signs of success because they're afraid that people are going to judge them, that they're not going to be part of the group anymore, that they're not going to do well. And so a lot of entrepreneurs, especially in the, in the internet space, will talk about the same fucking content for 10 years. I mean, I could name a slew of people who are doing the same thing this year that they were doing five years ago or 10 years ago if they've been around that long. And for me, that sounds like death. So I had to forcibly remove myself from that. I've been going through all this stuff, all these different all these different challenges and changes and weird stuff in my family happening and me studying all this stuff and me fucking meditating myself into the heavens and me doing all this crazy stuff. 
um, and finding out what was really going on with me and then learning how to talk about that stuff in a way where it was accessible and not so woo-woo that it, woo-woo that it didn't make sense, but also was impactful enough where people can maybe not take my word at face value, but at least be curious enough to say, hmm, I wonder if there's something to that, and then they do their own exploration. That's really cool, and I'm especially excited for you because we've been on, we've been on parallel paths, I feel, and I'd like to... Yeah, I want to ask you for for everybody if you could just kind of explain your journey. I'll I'll, I'll give them something. Uh, oh boy! Stu- yeah, I'll gi- I'll give them a little. Set. I might have told this on a previous podcast with you, but uh, it's one of my I don't know one of my favorite stories about <laughs> you just going out and uh, not to sound cliche, but discovering yourself or being on this being on this path and. Oh, yeah. uh, entrepreneurship it really can be a spiritual journey it tests you you grow you learn a lot uh especially where where we have been hustling at this stuff since we graduated from school or whatever you talking it through our 20s and now this is this is really you just turned 30 i know uh so really cool to see that you've kind of uh you're moving on to the same chapter but Long story short, we go to Peru together, and you come on a, a trip with under thirty experiences. Uh, one, you've been on several under thirty trips, and uh, you know travel. I know has made a huge impact on you. Oh, anyway, huge. I- anyway, I get a knock on the door. So I'm the, I'm the trip leader. I'm even wearing an under thirty experiences shirt right now. Uh, we are a serious travel company for young people ages 21 to 35 uh, serious no well i just want everybody know to know that you know psychedelic uh journeys are not included but i get the knock on my door and hits daniel and daniel says hey bro uh just want to let you know i uh, have been in touch with a shaman and <laughs> Myself and a couple other people from the group uh, are going to go out for the night and uh, we'll be back in the morning and uh, we're going to go on our first ayahuasca journey. And I was like, good luck, my friend. Good luck. And uh, I've ne- I I don't know that I've told you this in a while. I know I've told you, but you know, I had really crazy dreams that night. Did you? I had really, I didn't know that. I had really crazy dreams that I, I must have told you. Um, but I had, you know, and I don't dream all that much or all that vividly. Don't remember them. But this, yeah, exactly. But this one was unbelievable. So we were at, uh, I'm blanking at Sexai Woman, which is the all the the Incan ancient Incan citadel at the top uh, there by Cristo Blanco in Cusco. And, uh, you know, to the naked eye, it would just look like an amazing collection of rocks. But this is from the 11th century and uh, an incredible spiritual place for the, for, the, for the Incas. Anyhow, I had a dream that we were playing rugby. Uh, not against <laughs> humans, but against llamas. Well, that seems to make sense. And we were crushing them. I mean, just, I've never played rugby before, but had I, 
if I ever was a, a back, I don't know if you know how rugby is played, and pitched it around to the outside, and I was just so much faster than everybody else. And uh, yeah, we were on the same team. And I'm not sure, I've analyzed this many different ways, which we don't have to necessarily get into. But while you were on your one of your first psychedelic journeys anyway, uh, I was in my own psychedelic realm in my bed uh uncovering like, crazy things about my subconscious that sounds like mostly just about matt's ode to himself about your athletic prowess is mostly what that sounds like uh interesting i i've <laughs> he, there's a little bit of lag between your face and so i didn't know if you were serious or not or just making fun of me or thinking that that was all about ego uh it's a little both i think both okay i i figure <laughs> i figure uh anyway Tell me, could you tell everybody a little bit more about your path and what you've discovered and uh, try not to go on for five hours? I'm not going to go on for five hours. I just did that for five hours. Uh, I mean, look, you know, uh, are we ta- are we talking just are we talking psychedelics or are we talking just life? What are we talking about? Just just life in general and specifically as it relates to entrepreneurship and what you put out there in the world? Well, one thing I've learned is that it, you know, okay, so you know how they have all these personality tests like Myers-Briggs and all these different personality tests to, to classify you and box you? Sure. Um, I've done those tests over the years and, you know, you can get certain scores and values about what the tests say about you, but I've learned that I don't even like to classify uh to classify my personality in these types of ways because I feel like it boxes you into feeling like you're a certain way or you have to be a certain way because a certain test tells you that. And I feel like not only do personality tests do that, but careers do that, uh, social groups do that, um, the, the things that you watch and read do that. We're always using outside indicators as a way to classify and categorize who we are because we would need an external source of evaluation to know where we are in comparison. Just like if you have dark, there has to be light in comparison to have the contrast. And so we use a lot of these external indicators to figure out who we are. Um, and it, you know, if you live inside of that, if you, you always are using external indicators to figure out who you are, um, sometimes you never actually do the work to figure out who you actually are. Um, and it's a lot harder to do that work because it takes a good amount of um, time. It's never really done. And it also, uh, you can't necessarily speed up the process in terms of unfolding who you are. So for me, you know, I, I, went, I entered into entrepreneurship thinking that I was going to like follow a set of steps those steps would lead to a destination and that destination would reveal something about me. <clears throat> and that revelation would be important and it would give me some clarity and context around my life. But as I went up those steps, I realized that, you know, they're, they're, they're infinite and th- that because there is no like final form of me that I'm always evolving, it's going to be a, a lifetime of constant discovery. And I guess when you when you like boil that down into like what does that mean for for like the average person what is what's actionable actionable about that I think what I've learned is that constant reinvention of yourself and um, and connection with yourself is the most valuable thing that you can do. I've spent you know the last few years um, trying to purposely make myself uncomfortable 
put myself in uncomfortable situations to see how I would react. Um, and some of the situations I've been in that have been very uncomfortable have been not of my choosing, and some of them have been. And I've learned more about myself from becoming uncomfortable than I have from trying to follow a formula. Um, and I think that you probably figured out the same, the same thing. Sure. I mean, so we talk about this all the time with under 30 experiences and getting people out of their comfort zones and traveling. Uh, but I feel like you've taken this to the extreme in <laughs> a lot of different ways. So what, what yeah. have you done? Or what have you done to make yourself uncomfortable uh, lately and or I don't know, over the last 10 years? I was joking with Sarah, you know, she was she was saying to me, it's my wife, and she was saying, um, she was like, you know, when I first met you, there's all these different ways I could have seen you going. She's like, I could have seen you going corporate. I could have seen you going uh, like Hollywood playboy. Uh, and I guess I could have seen you going spiritual, but I didn't know you were going to take it this far. You've really, you've exceeded my expectations. And I was, <laughs> you know, and I was like, oh, thank you. And then this is as I'm like going around the house, like, like, smudging sage around the house in my sweater with no shirt and my chains on chanting. She's like, you're really, you're really, uh, I hope you're not losing it. But I mean, for me, you know, the first thing, um, entrepreneurship as a, as a context is very uncomfortable, man. And even, even now, like there's just so many, it doesn't ever get easier as you get bigger, your challenges get bigger. Right. So like when you're dealing with a $10,000 problem, it feels really big. And then, you know, when you're dealing with a million dollar problem, it's, it feels just as big, if not bigger, even though you've gotten bigger. You know, there's it's levels of magnitude. Uh, entrepreneurship is a great context for the idea of challenge. And the reason why I love it is because it's completely voluntary. Nobody can force you to be an entrepreneur. So if you're doing it, you have to want to do it or it won't work. Um, and you have to really believe it's going to work or it definitely won't work. Like there's a <laughs> there's a prerequisite to that. Like you have to believe it's going to work inside. Otherwise, it's definitely not going to work outside. So entrepreneurship is a huge thing. I've started a whole bunch of different businesses um, before the book and after the book now. One of the things I'm doing now is I'm, I've, built, uh, I've built a new company called Alpha Mentorship. And what we're doing is we are uh, creating an accelerator for agencies, so like digital agencies. So that's really cool. We can talk about that more later. But, you know, from everything from like my physical stuff. So I've done everything from like bodybuilding where I get really extreme with my diet and I lift ungodly weights and you know uh get as big as possible and i go on stage in a mankini and i pose that's uncomfortable that's uncomfortable it's uncomfortable for your friends on facebook for also it's uncomfortable for my mom when she has to shave my butt oh. um that happened that happened uh i've done you know I've, i i still i still do jujitsu all the time every time i'm driving to jujitsu i'm thinking god i don't know if i feel like getting choked out today you know i'm constantly submitting myself to that um, I've been. I, I do lots of crazy different testing with my body. I'll freeze myself. I'll um, I'll try all these crazy different supplements and diets. Uh, two weeks ago, I was at a, a meditation seminar with this guy Joe Dispenza, who is just an absolute lunatic, and I love him. God, he's crazy. And he had us meditating. I meditated for 38 hours that week, and then he had us rappel off the side of a high-rise building. Okay, <laughs> I've done that. I've done skydiving. Um, I've done all this crazy stuff with my physical body. I've gone to, you know, I've gone all over the world. Some of that with you. I've traveled a bunch. Um, I've done uh, tons of different types of psychedelics and gone into these weird voids and figured out all this new stuff. I've dealt with deaths in the family. Uh, I've gotten married. All these different new interesting challenges. So I'm constantly like pushing the envelope. 
And um, sometimes it feels like it's going to be a little bit too much because I'm, I'm pushing myself. But then what happens is I reorganize my thoughts and my comfort zone expands. My capabilities expand. And then the things that seemed like they were challenging before are no longer challenging. And then I look for a new challenge. It's not masochistic, though. I'm not looking to like make myself suffer or hurt myself. I genuinely enjoy pushing the limits. And I enjoy pushing into the unknown. This is a dispensive term. If you always stay in the known, what happens? You have the same emotions, which create the same actions, and the same actions create the same emotions again because it's a loop. Then you stay inside this, this box of the known. And if you're only playing in the known, you can't get to things that you don't know. You can't th- get to things you've never done before because you're staying inside this loop. So for me, I didn't know this is what I was doing, but I was looking for that unknown and I'm constantly pushing that because if I if I experience the unknown in one area of my life, I know it's possible in other areas and opens up my mind. That's awesome. Uh, I'd love to hear more about Joe Dispenza. I know that oh. you, uh, yeah, you were texting me from the event, sending me videos. Uh, oh. I, it's actually a book. Maybe we spoke about this last time. It's actually a book I had to put back on the shelf because I found it a little too powerful for what I needed. I was going deep. And uh, as you said, that Sarah gets worried about you sometimes, Luz was legitimately uh, concerned. (laughs) And she knows a lot about this stuff. Yeah, well, you're a little bit of a freak too. I mean... I appreciate um, that. Yeah. First of all, Joe Dispenza, can I just say... Joe Dispenza is on another level. This guy, so it was a seven-day seminar, and you know, like I've never actually been to a Tony Robbins seminar, but I've seen what they look like, and I've, I've kind of, I have a view into what they're like, and I'll go to one eventually just to test it out. Um, but he has different guests that he brings up on stage. There's like events, and there's things. It's not just Tony. This Dispenza event was just Joe. He was lecturing uh, between five and six hours a day and taking us between six and eight hours of meditation a day on stage the whole day for seven days. Just him. I have no idea how he had the energy to do this. I just did a five-hour workshop yesterday, and I am pooped, okay? So I have no idea. He has an ungodly or maybe a godly amount of energy. And I went into the seminar. The other thing about this guy is he has his books out, and he has a couple books. He has, uh, like, You Are the Placebo. He has Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself, and he has... um, he has could become supernatural. I'll put my affiliate code in the description here. Um, and and, uh, and but you know on his website he doesn't really like with his seminars he doesn't really have a description of what's going to happen. He's just like yeah it's a seminar come on out or we'll do some stuff. It's an advanced workshop. So my friend my my friend and business partner Daniel Thomas um, he's like hey we should go to this thing and we're both kind of we're into that stuff and I'm like sure I'll go you know it's not that expensive and we should we should go. And I get there, and it is way different than I think it's going to be. First of all, the demographic is way different, okay? So you think it's going to be a bunch of these Venice hippies, these long hair motherfuckers, you know, these, these Matt Wilsons of the world. None of those guys. None of those guys. It's all 40 to 60-year-old uh, women from middle America, okay? They're all like moms and grandmas that are deep into this stuff. And that surprised me alone. Everyone had white hair and walkers. I was like, what's going on here? You know? <laughs> No, no, no. Seriously, seriously. I was the youngest person there. I was the youngest person there by far, by far. And so that alone really surprised me because my perception was that people who are that age and look like that don't get into this stuff. But that's actually his demographic. So we get there and um, the, the, the whole workshop, the whole week, it was the seven days of this stuff. It was a combination of lectures on quantum physics, uh, neurochemistry, biology, mythology, history, 
um, and also just philosophy, Joe's specific philosophies, his books, um, and different ways to control the mind. And then, so and then combined with that, it was just guided meditations. And he would get up on stage with this microphone, and he would have these giant screens with these crazy fractal psychedelic images. And he would trance. There were 1,100 people. He would trance over a thousand people at once. And he would take us into these deep meditative states where we we would uh, connect to our different energy centers, so our, so our different chakras. He would do different things where we would we would um, hypnotize ourselves into our future. All of this sounds absolutely nuts. But let me tell you, let me tell you, having done the psychedelics first, I have a reference point for how deep it can go. Having done the DMT and the IF first, it's actually good because I have a reference point. I went, I went into the void. I, I left my body and I wasn't doing anything crazy. There were no drugs. There was no crazy rituals besides meditation. The fact that he was doing this to a thousand people at once was nuts. And to meditate for 40 hours, almost 40 hours in a week, my brain felt like tabula rasa. I felt completely clean. I felt like a, like a naked baby being baptized in the river Jordan. It was nuts, man. And we had people around and, and we did these, we did these, uh, these energy healing things where we would, uh, where we would heal people's different injuries and ailments. And I am not into that stuff. You know, when, when the, when the church pastor's coming up and he's like healing people and they're, they're speaking in tongues and they're like, I'm healed, I'm healed. I'm like, that stuff does not appeal to me. But we started doing some of that stuff, man. And, I, you know, for every other time in the in the in the in the in the week, I was like fully in it, and I was I was completely focused on me. But I was looking around during some of these energy healings. People were going nuts. I mean, people were flipping out. They were just vibrating, and they were doing these crazy like exorcist things where they were their back was arching, crazy, impossible degrees. They were basically damn near levitating. I saw one woman who was up on her fingertips and up on her toes at the same time, but nothing else was touching. Um, and they were just losing it. And then we had this one woman in our group because we would, we would. Uh, I know this sounds nuts, you know. Just go there and figure it out yourself. We were doing this healing on this one woman. She had MS. She came there in a walker, and we were just doing this healing on her. And after the fucking thing, she 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 jumped out of her walker and she was strutting around. I'm like, what is this? You were just limping. You were just limping. You weren't even walking. And. You know, you talk to the people too, and it's like, oh, maybe they're just they're planted people. They're like, you know, they're like part of the act. They're not part of the act. These are real people. It was nuts, man. And um, since then, I've come home. I'll, I'll, I'll get to you. I'll get to you. I'll call on you. Okay. <laughs> okay. I came home, and I've been doing these same meditations, and it's 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 just the same. It's not like it wasn't a, just an effect of being in the experience. It's we, I have all the all the meditations on the phone. I went into the void yesterday. I was there. I was in the black. Okay, go ahead. Wow. Uh, and I'm not going to say that that was not unlike my experience reading this book. Uh, I know I called you with details when I was... <laughs> you were like, I stop reading this. It's, it's seriously. See, it was the, so for people, and, and first of all, what I like about Joe Dispenza is he actually explains the science to the best of his abilities into theories that make sense. And the science is pretty damn good. It might not all be right. In fact, no science is all right. That's for damn sure. Thank you uh, for saying that. You're very welcome because that's it's about what we know and what we can infer at the current moment with our current level of knowledge. But for people saying, what the hell was all that stuff? You, what, what, are you, what are you talking about there, Daniel? D. Piazza, rich 20-something, high as I know. fuck right now. Like, I know. What, what's going on there? And 
in the in the void? Uh, it's hard to say. You know, okay, so first of all, the thing about Dispenza is he is really no BS. Like, he is, he is the stuff intrinsically is airy-fairy because of the nature of what it is, but the way that he approaches it is in the most scientific way you can approach this type of material. You can't get any more scientific. And when I, when I saw his book, it was in a mystical bookshop, fine, okay, but I saw his book in the store, and, and I, for some reason it looked interesting to me, and I picked it up, and I said, you know, I looked through the, through the insert, they have a color insert in the middle with all these different graphs and all these different charts, and I said, okay, now all this might not be right, but the fact that someone put in this much effort to do this research and has done this work, it's certainly more work than I've done on the subject, certainly more information than I have, so I don't know what's right and what's wrong, but I'm going to explore what he's looked into because he's done thousands of different studies, so it seems like it should be interesting. And um, essentially, like when it bo- what it boils down to is... Um, on a, on a purely scientific level, with these deep meditations, what he's what he's teaching you to do is to activate your pineal gland, and your pineal gland is uh, it's a little it's a little gland about the size of a piece of rice, it's shaped like a pine cone, and somewhere between your uh, your the back of your jaw and the top of your head, right, kind of in the midbrain, right there, and it secretes all these different hormones uh, and metabolites. So, it, for instance, it's responsible for secreting serotonin, which is the daytime uh, neurotransmitter. And that neurotransmitter is responsible for waking you up by changing your brain state. So when you're sleeping, you'll go from delta to theta to alpha through those lower uh, wavelengths up into beta, which is where we're in our waking state of consciousness in space and time. This is all, this is, we're still in the science. We're not even in the woo-woo yet, okay? So at night, you have the reverse effect where the absence of the sunlight creates uh, the effect of Producing mel or producing melatonin, which drops you down from beta through alpha and theta and delta, um, and into your sleep state. And what he's teaching you to do in this uh, with, with your brain is to control your own brain waves, so that you can put yourself through alpha and play around in theta and even delta, so that you can have what many people would call transcendental experiences. And there are psychedelic chemicals inside our body that can be created just through the um just through using our manipulating our physicality and using our mind in certain ways so for instance dmt dimethyltryptamine which is an exogenous chemical that's found all over the all over the the animal kingdom and anything that's on organic life and also in our body is something that you can use in psychedelic ceremonies but it's also in your brain and it's a metabolite of melatonin so if you use your brain correctly and you use your body correctly, you can actually learn to uh, essentially activate your pineal gland in a way that secretes this. One of the ways that you do this is you, you realize that melatonin is, um, is vastly produced between 1 a.m. and 3 or 4 a.m. Uh, just because of the circadian rhythm, there's the most melatonin in your brain at that time. And because DMT is a metabolite of melatonin, if you learn to activate your pineal gland around that time, we were meditating at like 3 and 4 a.m. all the way to, you know, 5 and 6 a.m. for a long time, it really helps. And we've all felt like we're in that in-between state where we're like, I don't know if I'm asleep or I'm a, I don't know if I'm awake and I'm getting weird visions. This is just teaching you to control that. And the way that he does that in the seminar and in the book as well, he teaches you to use what's called uh, the piezoelectric force. Um, and basically what that is is it says that when you uh, contract your muscles physically, it creates an electrical charge. So what it teaches you to do is it teaches you to contract your perineum, which is like basically the gooch right under the ball sack if you're a guy. It's the muscle that you use. The gooch. gooch. That's amazing. Yeah. Thank you for Didn't think I would throw that, that in there. No, the I gooch. did not. You're right. 
the gooch. And basically, it's the muscle that, that stops you from peeing, and you can also contract it the front and the back. You contract that up, and you use that as you contract your abs, your abdomen to create a force in your lower centers, which is your like chakras one, two, and three if you want to get eastern on yourself. Okay, you contract that. And you create energy flowing up through your body, which then eventually sends energy up to your brain into the pineal gland and creates a charge. And that charge then creates an electric force, which activates the pineal. And this is the, this is the fact. This is the point where scientists on Reddit would say that's not how it works. But if you actually do it, and then you have the effect, you have to question whether it's not working because you're having the effect. And then if you go back to his previous work and you look at um, you are the placebo, he makes a great point in the whole book. Of that, that whole book about the, the whole concept of that book is if you have an effect, even if, if you take a sugar pill and it cures your tremors, it doesn't matter if it was a sugar pill or if it was the drug. If your body produces the effect that cures the tremors because you think that the pill is doing the work, then it doesn't matter whether the pill was working or not. You are the placebo, right? So there is no such thing as a placebo as long as your brain's creating it. So that actually helps to inform what happens when you're going through these, these experiences. Could, could not agree more, and if people think there's a better way to explain it, sure, let us know. That would be fantastic. Madden38experiences.com. We'd love to hear <laughs> from you. Uh, but I've had the same experience, and I just want to put a, a little footnote warning label on this is that the stuff is very powerful. I mean, Daniel's talking about getting your body to secrete uh, that you can secrete DMT into your own system. Secrete might not be the right word, but generate uh, DMT in your own system and have these psychedelic trips on your own. No drugs required. I mean, look into Kundalini Yoga because that's a lot about the states that they get into when this certain mechanism of pumping up through your spine. For me, when I experienced it, I mean, it was a, a full-on what in the Eastern world they call Kundalini awakening, uh, which then transitioned into what you can read about in weird spiritual forums, which is Kundalini psychosis, when you can't really handle it and you start going crazy. Uh, that's when you call Daniel and you're like, dude, uh, tell me to put, help me put this book back on the shelf. I mean, I... I We'll share everything, I guess. Uh, I mean, I purged after this. You it purged? Was, I purged. <gasps> yeah, I'm like, coming. this was like day three in it, uh, into just a deep dive of, of this wow. Kundalini awakening. And I've had this before in my beginning stages of meditation, but it was just pure bliss. It was just, you know, when you... You walk into a kundalini yoga center and everybody's wearing turbans uh, so they don't float away. I mean, that was the, the first time that I had had this. But the second time, it was very powerful in a way where it showed me a lot of my shadow. It, it showed me a lot of dark things. Uh, and I was, I was throwing up off my balcony in Costa Rica at 8 p.m. Wow. And Louis is like, hey, you're going to be okay? I'm like, yeah, I just need a couple more cold showers. Uh, <laughs> You know, when she, you know, she's very into Eastern stuff and Ayurveda and has been studying yoga for 20 years. And uh, she put me on the, like a very grounding Ayurvedic diet because I couldn't, I couldn't stay, I couldn't stay in this realm, really. I mean, I would go, I would go to the beach and I would feel the, 
vibrations of the, you know, when the crowd, like the word vibration sounds very hippie, but when the waves crash on the ocean, on the beach, you feel those vibrations and that vibration would just move this energy up and I would just uh, feel like I'm floating away in, in bliss. <laughs> and, but it was to the point where I couldn't control it. And during meetings, I'd be in the office and I would just be like, I'm feeling really good right now, like being way too high in a meeting and couldn't focus on anything. And I really had to step it down. Uh, and But people who don't know about this stuff uh, or don't have the resources or the friends to call or an amazing partner who can ground you and say, come back to earth, dude, they can lose you and, and lose you for good. We've all seen that. Uh, ultra spiritual person who just walks around and doesn't know their zip code so that's yeah so be careful anybody out there listening it's an amazing way to learn about yourself but Daniel if you could bring everybody home a little bit more and tell them what the purpose of all this is because just getting high for everybody's pleasure uh, is not what we're promoting here well, no, I mean, look, you know, everyone, I think everyone goes into it with a different purpose. So I, I, I hesitate to uh, give any type of generalization. But for me, you know, the purpose was <clears throat> for me, I came to a point where I wanted to know if there was more. And then what I learned was if you ask the question, is there more categorically, the answer has to be yes, because you're already seeking people who don't find more are the ones who don't ask for it. So if you ask for if there's more, you're going to start seeking it. And if you're coming to a point now where you feel like you can predict the feeling of everything that's going to happen in your life, then you've probably reached a point where you've reached your edge. And if you feel like you can look into the future and you know everything that's going to happen and you kind of feel like I'm going to go to work like this, I'm going to, I'm going to go to, I'm going to walk the same way, I'm going to go, I'm going to wake up on the same side of bed, I'm going to do the same things every day. You reach a point where it becomes, uh, it becomes very mundane, just creating these same routines and these same ruts. And for me. Um, I wanted to know what was outside of my own personality, like what was outside of these things that I'd been programmed to think about my entire life. And there's there's practical use in that because you think as entrepreneurs, you know, we have to be people who are thinking in innovative new ways. There's uh, there's nothing worse than stagnation. I even think about like, you know, even a, a very con- concrete example. You think about Apple now. Sure, they just made their first trillion dollar valuation, but I look on the on the TV and I say, all right, well, they're releasing Apple you know, iPhone XS now. What have they actually offered us in recent history that's been worthy of being r- truly innovative? And I'm not really knocking on Apple, but I think it's useful to remember that entrepreneurs, it's our job to create the visible from the invisible. And you have to be able to go to the invisible to be able to create that stuff. You have to understand what it's like to have an original thought. And in these meditative experiences, you will have um, completely new perspectives on things that will transfer and translate into your waking life. It's not just about getting high and being super happy and lifted all the time. You'll have these insights which will interlock like puzzle pieces into your everyday life in a way that allow you to look at problems that you face in a new way. Um, And it also alleviates some of the stress of living inside of this this cage because if you realize there's more outside of that, you don't worry so much about the things that are right in front of you because you see the bigger picture. Um, And that's incredibly helpful as someone who puts the pressure on themselves as an entrepreneur. You are constantly putting yourself into situations where you have to claw your way and fight your way back. 
And it's helpful to have a bigger perspective on things and know that, you know, there's a bigger game at play here. And that is and that and that the game isn't reliant on drugs. Um, and I'm a proponent of, of psychedelics, but I think it's even more powerful to know that this stuff's already inside of you. That that's crazy. Absolutely. Uh, I, I, I could not agree more. And um, if I don't know, what would you say to the people out there who are just kind of doing the festival hopping and going from one seminar to the next and always have their next uh, yeah, ayahuasca journey planned out on their calendar? I mean, it, be, it starts to become an addiction at, at some point. And, and I shouldn't have used the word addiction because there's you can go and, and look up about psychedelics and, and addiction. You don't want to do this again after after you do yeah. it. It's not that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, with, with, with Aya and, and the psychedelics, I don't... Addiction, uh, to me, signifies a craving. And I don't necessarily crave the psychedelics. I, I would say people crave... Uh, that what they do is what, what they're craving is they're craving an escape, you know. Sure. Uh, they're cr- they're craving that feeling of of power and difference, um, and you can get that through yourself though. And so I say for the people who are on that circuit, like you know, the people who uh, go to Burning Man every year and then they you know they that type of thing, there's value in that and exploring that. Um, but I think that after a while, you have to realize that like, and I've realized this too, like as many of these journeys as I've been on with the psychedelics, it it I actually don't. I don't feel like I really need it anymore, but I do enjoy taking other people to it. So if you've gotten to a point where you're doing all that, you've done all this work, maybe stop focusing on doing it on yourself as much and help other people come to see the things that you've seen in, a, in the most, in subtle ways, uh, partially by how you live and partially by bringing people who are trusted into your circle. And it doesn't mean necessarily psychedelics, but if you're experiencing these, these breakthroughs through meditation, start sharing this stuff with your close family and friends uh, in a way that's like healthy and useful to them, because I think you'll see that your relationships will change. And I know that, you know, um, like I've taken my parents through ayahuasca ceremonies, um, and that has changed our relationship dramatically uh, in positive ways. And it's because those types of journeys are outside of the context of a normal interaction, we can now have conversations that sound, feel and sound different. And it's opened up a new door for us. And it's, um, so, so once you've had all these experiences and you feel like a transcendent being, great. Now, what are you going to do with that information? Are you just going to you're going to keep you know like pummeling yourself with more psychedelic drugs and more meditations into the hills, or are you going to take some of that information and bring it back to the people? You know, after all, like my vision is creating what I call the super self. You spend years working on yourself to develop this uh, this bigger vi- this bigger grander vision of yourself, and you become physically the best version. You become mentally the best version, emotionally and spiritually and, and monetarily. And then once you get to that point, it's not in and of itself the point to get there. It's the point to get there so that you can come back and you can say, "Hey, I have something to share with you." And that that sharing doesn't have to be something where you're forcing your ideas on others, where you're pressuring your others to think the same way. Sometimes people learn most just by observing how you're living. And maybe friends and family will come to you and say, I know you're living a little bit different. It looks like you're in better shape. Seems like you're traveling a bit more. You have a bit more money. You seem calmer. What's going on with you? And then you can invite them into what you've been learning. And that way that you don't feel pressured to have to like blast all this stuff on them or you have to say, well, you should just do ayahuasca. You'd figure everything out. Like you should just start meditating more. No one is receptive to that. But if you start becoming someone different and changing your way of being, and if the way that you're being and how you perceive yourself are in complete alignment, that creates a resonant energy inside of you that creates power. And people sense that power. And it's why someone like, you know, Bruce Lee 
you walked into a room and people would feel the energy of the room change. And I'm sure we've all met people who are very spiritual or very evolved, and we don't know why, but just being around them, you feel a charge. And it's because they're in complete alignment. And that's not just a woo-woo term. The alignment means that who you're being on the inside and who you're projecting yourself on the outside are in complete agreement. Many of us spend our lives being someone different on the inside than we're projecting on the outside. And it's almost like you have these beach balls, right? And you're in the pool and you're trying to force these beach balls down and you can't keep them down in the water because these lies that you're telling about yourself keep popping up, right? And over time, as you get more and more lies, you have to try to hold them down. You have too many things you're trying to hold down and that takes energy. But when you release that energy of trying to be someone that you're not, you have to, you have all the energy freed up to be who you are and it creates resonant power. Right. And so that's what we're looking to do. And that resonant power is attractive to people. It's not something that needs to be forced on others or 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 crammed down their throat because they sense that. And the ones who are ready are attracted to you. And then you can share. No, that's that's great. And uh, I think it was Alan Watts, maybe, who who said, all right, if you knock on the door and you get the answer, don't keep knocking on the door. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, you have you don't need to keep visiting like. Go away and go do something positive with the new information that you've learned. And uh, yeah, I always think about that. It's like the the psychedelics with your your family. Uh, that's just that's just un it's just unbelievable. You're a, I can't believe it either. You're a, you're a freak. What but what about when people are just totally closed to these? ideas and you try to you go out there and you're the best version of yourself and you want to keep spreading the gospel if you will but you know that you shouldn't just you don't want to just keep harping on it how do you get people to kind of open the important people to open up to these things in your life you know even if it's just about eating healthy and you're there at dinner and, and I mean I know this is something that you've struggled with uh, and your fa- with your family. In fact, you came on the podcast one time and you said you went into Thanksgiving dinner and you opened up the refrigerator and saw a lot of uh, a lot of Coca Cola at your parents' place and you're like, "Am I going to kill you right now?" <laughs> you actually <laughs> talked about killing your parents over that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, it was worth it. Um, yeah. yeah what I mean, you, you know, first of all, they they have since cleaned up their act. Uh, according to what I know. And my dad has lost 40 pounds. Good for wow. him. Uh, yeah. Uh, my, mom, my mom too lost maybe 20 or 30. So they're doing well. But I mean, I don't think that you can, just like you can't force your own progression, you certainly can't force anyone else's. And I think that, you know, depending on how you view life, I think that maybe some people will never get to the point that uh, you would want them to be in their lifetime. And you have to be okay with that uh, and just accept them anyway and try to create a balance in your relationship where you can have lots of meaningful connection outside of the things that you think they should be doing. It is difficult though, but I just found in my own personal experience, and maybe there's a better way. There really is no way to like make someone see something they're not ready to see. You know, I, um, and even, w- even with, the with, the with, the with the Aya and with, the with the, um, the, the DMT and stuff. When I took my parents to that, like they, I wanted to control how they were having their experience. So like with my, with my dad, well, my dad was, my dad's first eye experience was nuts. He just, he went through uh, like probably 30 years of therapy in one night. And my mom, 
she has a very resistant personality to this type of stuff and I think she was going because I wanted her to go and my dad was going and she went and she actually she actually like she threw up the medicine so quickly that she didn't really get the effect of it um, the the connection that we had over it was her seeing me go through it and her seeing my dad go through it and her being in that environment and that energy and I so badly wanted her to have like the spiritual visions because I knew that it would it would like give her something, um, and then eventually we we ended up doing DMT later, uh, and then she was forced to see it. Um, but I you know I wanted to like control the experiences that they were having, and even my dad at my bachelor party, you know my dad is just he's just a straight G. He's just an old black dude from from Detroit, and he just does things the way that he does things. He's not that old. He's like forty nine. He's not old, but he's just he's just he's just a, he's just a, he's always going to be a little bit of thug at heart. That's just who he is, and. You're never going to completely take the Detroit out of him. You just stop carrying a gun all the time. Like this is just who he is. <laughs> and and but he's the nicest guy you'll ever meet. And um, but when we were at my bachelor party, he was doing, he was uh, he was drinking he was drinking uh, vodka while he was doing the DMT. And I'm like, Dad, you shouldn't do this. Like you shouldn't drink. Th- this is a sacred medicine. You can't drink vodka while you're doing this. Because I wanted him to have the experience the way I wanted him to have it, and I'm like, this is gonna mess it up. Like, these are these are competing substances. Like, come on, let's get serious about this. It's a spiritual journey, and I'm like, why am I trying to control his experience? So even so, it's like even when your family does the things you want them to do, you're still gonna try to like control them into like doing it the way that you want them to do it. I'm like, that's that takes too much energy, man. So I don't even I don't even try anymore. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that you could do is. Be yourself and hope other people feed off that. Uh, I know we got to wrap in, in a couple minutes, yep. but for people who hear about these superhumans like Joe Dispenza or, dare we say, Daniel Di Piazza, who have the who have energy, right? Who just have seemingly. I know you said you were exhausted from five hours of putting on a creative live, but that is no easy task and it's okay to be tired sometimes. Oh, I know. If people want to increase their own energy overall, whatever that means to them, I mean, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, all of these things, what would you tell them? Uh, I would say that you first start with the body because most people neglect the body and it's the main vessel. And even if I personally believe that we're not our body, but we're still in the body and it's still the vehicle and we spend a lot of time it's almost like we go our entire lives we're given this car at zero years old and a lot of times we don't have any instruction manual for it and by the time we're 30 we're now undoing a lot of damage that we've done and we spend a lot of energy undoing that damage so it's better to learn how to really live in your body first before you go on these other things you have to be physically strong to endure some of this stuff so that's the basic stuff like it sounds so simple and it's almost so cliche that you don't want to follow this device but Figure out what it takes to uh, to get your diet under in check. Figure out what it takes to live a healthy life where you're physically exerting yourself, and also really learn to understand what your what it feels like to be healthy in your body. What a healthy teeth and gums and hair look like. Where's your fucking pancreas? I asked someone where your pancreas is the other day, and they pointed up to their their like their neck here. I'm like, if you don't know where your pancreas is, it's going to be very hard for you to like have a physically powerful body. Uh, figure out what it feels like. To, um, to work through a pain or an injury. Most people have a pain or an injury and it becomes a trauma in their mind rather than information or data to change something. So if they have like a stomach pain for a while, 
they get traumatized, they go on WebMD, they shrink down, they go to the doctor expecting to get a pill, but they don't ever do the research thinking about how they're going to heal themselves. Even when you get a medicine, even though the medicine itself, if it's a Western medicine like a prescription, which I'm not knocking, these drugs in their best case scenario are just upregulating our genes and changing the body chemistry so our body can heal itself. But the body's still doing the work. So you got to get the body the respect it deserves because it's the vessel for harnessing all this emotional and mental energy. It's the thing that's going to make you the money because you're in this physical space and time, and it's the thing that's going to take you to the spiritual stuff. So get that in check first. And you can spend a few years getting that in check, and that then becomes a transcendent physical experience. You can do things. Abraham Maslow um, talked a lot about peak physical experiences. Now, peak physical experiences are life-altering. That's why when you see athletes who have competed at the highest level, they're high when they're competing because they're so in their body that they actually leave their body, right? They're so connected to their physicality that they go they go straight back to the source. And you can get back to that just by treating your body in a way that, that understand it's a, it's a vessel of great value and resource. And so work on that first, get your diet in check. Your diet doesn't necessarily have to mean losing weight. I'm not talking about aesthetics or losing weight. What I'm talking about here is, I mean, and you can explain alkaline stuff in, a, in another podcast if you want, but what I'm talking about here is understanding that you can experiment and try to see what works for you. No individual eating protocol is gonna be great for everybody. Go vegan for two weeks, you won't lose anything. You should try to see what happens with your body. Try different modalities, try fasting, try, uh, try, try cutting out dairy, try, maybe you are gluten intolerant, I don't know. Try it though, figure out what works for you, figure out your unique combination of when and where you function and feel best. And there's this scale of physical health, I'm gonna wrap this. There's a scale of physical health, okay? You think A, point A, B, and C. Most people live between A and B. A is sickness, B is lack of symptoms. And we want to just we just want to live in a place where we're not feeling sick at all times. But what most people don't realize is there is C. C is robust health. You don't want to live with no symptoms. You want to live in robust health. And so we should focus our attention not on giving ourselves drugs or numbing things to make us feel not sick, but how to live at our optimal state. Because once the optimal state is achieved, we can actually have these peak experiences and then we can control ourselves and have a power that allows us to create better changes in our life. But it starts with the physical. So do that. Like really work on that. Commit to that. It doesn't take that long, but it takes forever. <laughs> You're a freak. I appreciate that. Uh, that's, that's, Sorry. that's awesome. I'm really happy that you put it in the way that you did. I can't urge people to go out there and explore, uh, experiment, and be safe because there's there's such an amazing universe out there, uh, and it starts in the it starts in the physical body. So that's yeah, amazing amazing advice, of course. But don't take Daniel's word for it. Go out and don't take my word for it at all. And start trying these things. Uh, yeah, start trying these things yourself. And I'm not just talking about psychedelics. I'm talking about cleaning up your act overall because there's so much more in life out there uh that's yeah can't can't stress that enough daniel where can people engage with you get involved with your community maybe jump on your creative live if that's ah, a, a yes. possible i don't know so check so check out um check out danieldpiazza.com Check out at Daniel DPS on Instagram. That's where I'm at, and uh, and you'll I'm loud enough to find me pretty much anywhere. You're the man. Don't forget if you're listening, review it, like it, uh, subscribe to it, follow Daniel, send him a note, do whatever. He's making fun of me. We're out. Thanks everybody. It's Matt.
coming to you with a little update back here from Austin, Texas. I have just got back from Southeast Asia, amazing trip out to Bali and Thailand where we ran our yoga and mindfulness retreat and it was an absolute blast trying to get new dates up there on the website for, shh, don't tell anybody, Black Friday is coming for under 30 experiences. So look out for that. Other than that, we of course have our April Costa Rica uh, yoga and mindfulness trip. Really excited about that to get to know people on the ground. And I want to get to know you. So the best way that I know how is actually through Instagram message. I've been engaging with listeners with under 30 experiences, travelers, just with all sorts of people who have heard me speak uh, over the last year at different conferences and events. So hit me up at Matt Wilson TV, Matt Wilson TV, all one word on Instagram. I get back to every message. I want to hear from you. I want to know what you think of the show. I want to help you in any way that I can. I want to build relationships with you all because you are what keeps me going, trying to continually support this community that we've built, bringing you expert advice from people who are in the trenches, building business, businesses at the top of their game, traveling the world, keeping on the cutting edge of their health and fitness, uh, all the things that we talk about here on the Live Denver podcast. So I'd love to hear from you, Matt Wilson TV on Instagram. Also, I'm trying to get out and speak more, get in front of people, especially when I'm in the United States, but I'll speak pretty much anywhere in the world, uh, paid or unpaid in some situations. I was fortunate enough to go out to Hawaii and talk about millennials and travel this year uh, in Spain to talk about building community around a multi-million dollar business. I just spoke in front of almost a thousand college students at the Collegiate Entrepreneurs Organization in Kansas City. Yes, I will go near and far and uh, also got to speak out there in front of an elite group of entrepreneurs in Bali. So let me know if you are interested in interacting further with me at Matt Wilson TV on Instagram. Would love to hear from you. And one more thing, if this show has helped you in any way, shape, or form, I would be incredibly grateful if you could leave a review because that helps spread the good word. Throw up a five-star review. I appreciate it. Hit me up on Instagram and maybe I'll send you a little gift. Thank you guys. You rock.